0: We are in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, Exodus, and so if you uh, didn't bring a Bible, we will have scriptures up on the screen, but there also should be a Bible right there in your pew, so feel free to grab it. This is a week where our little ones are with us, so uh, let me pray for God to move as well as God not to move our little people. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time and are excited to get into your word. Uh, some of us are excited mentally, but physically we are drained and exhausted. Don't let anything hinder us from experiencing you right now. Allow our minds to understand you uh, and our bodies to follow in suit, to follow in line. We love you, Lord. Would you uh, use me, uh, use my tongue for your glory, God, and uh, We pray that you allow our little people to focus and that they would see this as a time of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in the 33rd chapter of Exodus. And uh, thus far, we have had some great, great, great experiences. We have seen God move. We've seen the uh, people of Israel, the Hebrews, taken out of Egypt. We've seen them uh, be able to leave Captivity, Leave slavery. We've seen them go through the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea. We've seen God provide for them and care for them over and over again. And then the last chapter we just read, the people just wild out. I'm talking about Nick Cannon style straight wild out. I mean, they take earrings from their boo and just make an idol. They make their own God. And it looks like God's heart should break. It looks like God's plan should be totally changed because of the depth of their sin. But their sin does not change God's plan. Let's look in chapter 33. As we will see, uh, God continue to demonstrate his mercy And continue to demonstrate his grace to his people, even when they don't deserve it. Even when we, at times, don't deserve it. Chapter 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, depart. Go up from here and you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt. To the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you. Lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff necked people. So now they were at one point in captivity. In Egypt and we go and see the people of God had this great experience on Mount Sinai but Mount Sinai was not the end destination Mount Sinai is not the end goal Mount Sinai is a great place where they had a chance to experience God on a mountain but now he says depart keep going towards a place that I have destined that I have set aside for you but in order for you to get there I will have to drive out the Canaanites. This is a real good kind of gut check of who's going to be the one in charge. Who's going to be the one fulfilling this promise? Who's going to be the one that allows for the people of God to enter into this land? It's going to have to be God because God's people don't have the strength to drive out the Canaanites. But God says something in verse three. He says, but I will not go up among you. And if you remember last, last week, we, uh, we had a, a sermon where this golden calf was, was brought forth. Why would God no, not, no longer go with his people? What did they do that would make him say in verse 3, I will not go among you? You can say it. It's all right. What, what did God do? I'm excuse me. What did the people do that made, that, that made God say, I will not go with you? What did they just do last chapter? chose another god straight smack in the face i mean can can you imagine it, it, it's tough for us to really grasp it it's tough for us to understand the the heartbreak as you see this god has created them set them apart for his chosen purposes and they they, they break his heart they choose another god over him a god that was from something that he created it's uh it's interesting that that God would say I I will not go with you lest I consume you on the way it's kind of a, a a double play here so first he says I'm not going with you and 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 it's a it's a clear removing of his presence and I I unfortunately had a couple of situations where uh with my mom I thought I was gonna get chewed out I mean, there was this one time where my grades were so bad. I came to my mom and I'm ready. I mean, here it comes. She going to throw something. Maybe watch out for that broom. I mean, I'm ready to get tore up. And my mom just looked at me and said, go to your room. And that hurt deeper than any, any type of lashing with her tongue, any type of punch with her hand, any type of punishment, just to know that this woman who I was extremely close to said, I don't even want you, I, I don't want to be in your presence at this moment. You need, you, need, you need to go to your room. But see, now I'm a, I'm a dad and I'm on the other side of it. I'm no longer the child, I'm on the other side. And I now realize, now that I have kids, that sometimes when I tell my kids to go to their room, it's because I want them to live. <laughs> it's that simple. Because, see, if you in arm's reach, I can't guarantee something won't happen to you right now. You better get out of my face. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you, you, you know your love for them continues, your peace, your joy. But what they have done in that moment For their sake, you need to go and be out of my reach, out of my presence. You see, God is is a holy God. He is pure, he is holy, and he judges sin. And these people have not, not simply told a little white lie, whatever that is, when we try to minimize lies. His people have done one of the most egregious, one of the most heartbreaking sins you could do. They've taken and made another God and chose to worship it. And so if there's anything that God would be totally just, totally right, totally appropriate to now kill them for, it is this act. And so God says, you know what? Of <laughs> you living, for the sake of, of me not consuming you with my holiness, I'm going to pull back. You're going to experience a a, a separation from my presence. So how do the people respond? Let's go to verse four. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. They mourned. They mourned. Imagine you've got the presence of God. You've seen him on the mountain connecting with with Moses. You've seen him communicate to Moses and the whole people get in line and worship him. And you you desire something more. You desire more than who God is and what he provides. So instead of of being at peace with what he provides, you decide to make your own God because you just want more. So you're trying to get as much as you can And now you have nothing because this idol that you created, you see is worthless. And the God who loves you dearly has pulled back. Now you find yourself with little to nothing. That's that. That brings forth mourning. That brings forth heartache. That brings forth sadness. And uh, the way, the way in, in, in the ancient Near East culture, the way you dressed reflected your emotions. So if you were joyous, then you wore colorful things. God had already, chapters before, told us ways in which we would worship him. And in these ornamental um, materials, they are ways in which we worship God. But See, they were mourning. And we, we get this now. Right? I mean it's it's more recent in our in our you know kind of last fifteen years that you go to a funeral, people send out an email that says, Hey, this is not a funeral, it's a home going service. Wear colorful things. I get it, that's cool. That hasn't been the norm throughout right. typically when we are in mourning, we show up wearing what? Black. Because because there's a there's a there's a tie to what you see me in and what I'm reflecting that lets you kind of know where my heart is. Side note: If you're gonna get married and everybody show up in black, just go to the bathroom and just keep running. Like just we we get it on the other side too. What white represents, right? A joy, a purity, a, 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 a an an excitement. A, and so you see here. It it, it is the people of God are now wearing not no longer wearing the beautiful things that they were that God had desired that they would so that they could glorify him. Now, their mourning is expressed in what they wear. But notice, notice how long it says. What's that last phrase in verse six? Excuse me, the last word in verse six onward let's say they mourned for a couple days say they 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 didn't wear their ornaments for a week or two it's like onward indefinitely for a grip they they now are going to be in this state where they don't wear the ornaments until they get to the promised land i mean what what would happen for you if for the next 20 years you only wore black. What, what would that remind you of? What, what, would, what would your kids say if, if, if when they were growing up and they look around, they go to school, everybody got on, you know, Elmo book bags and Big Bird and your little homies got black duct tape over everything. I mean, at some point he's going to be like, hey, where, where's our colors, dad? Mom, why don't we wear colors? And it's, and it's, and it's in the mind of, of, of the Hebrew that day to say, ah, grand, granddad, granddad created a golden calf. Grand, granddad worshiped something that, that was not suitable to be worshiped. You see, do you see the effects of this morning? It's going to remind them, hopefully, not to do this again we we know our we know our human condition so they mourned but 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 then we see in verse 7 now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp whenever Moses went out to the tent Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So do you see how the scene is set? There's now uh, the community, but outside the community is where this tent of meeting is. And that tent of meeting term is the same term as tabernacle. It's a place where Moses is going to meet God. But it's, but it's very different. Because now, when Moses arrives there, and he will, he will pursue God on your behalf, God ascends on the place. Boom, excuse me. Descends on the place. His presence is there, and the whole community can see it. But there's a very different thing happening now. You see, you remember before, the community as a whole will respond. Yes, Moses, we will worship. Yes, Moses, we will be faithful. Yes, Moses, we will respond accordingly. But now, you don't get to kind of have this nominal faith. You don't get to kind of mix in with the crowd. Because now, Where is the tent of meeting? Where do you meet God? You don't meet God in the center of town. You have to take this walk to go experience him. So now, faith is a little bit more real because you go alone. You go by yourself. You're not thinking of, okay, yeah, let's just all kind of meld in together and as a unified. You actually have to say, no, Moses, I don't know what's wrong with him and what's wrong with her. I'm coming to you for myself. Can you go to God on my behalf? Can you go to God on behalf of my family? It's a, it's a, it's a big shift in the way things were conducted. There's also a big shift in understanding and your expectations of God. I mean, man, you now are realizing God in the tabernacle was a continuous presence in the community. You remember those lamps? that they had and they had to keep oil within the lamp. And that lamp was to stay lit at all times to remind you that the presence of God was always present. Now we got a little tent way out there. And when Moses isn't there, the lights out, God isn't present. God's not there. And you now are, are continue to be reminded of man. Man, what I've done has no longer allowed that consistent presence that we once experienced in the tabernacle. Now, now we experience it when Moses goes before us. It's a, it's a, it's a change, but it also kind of validates Moses even more. I mean, before Moses was pretty, he was off the chain. Don't get it wrong. I mean, Moses was, was, was an amazing figure, but again, when you are having corporate worship, that's one thing. Now when each individual is coming to you, they're seeing, man, like this is God's man. The intimacy that he has with God, it says that he was face to face with God. Now we know that that's not a literal face to face because no man can stand in the presence of, 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 our, of the Holy One. But it's, it's a phrase like if you said two peas in a pod. I mean, you don't take that literally, right? I mean, that's a cute green shirt you got on, Ian, but you don't look like a P to me. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't take that literally. You would take that to describe the intimacy, the closeness. So, if somebody said two peas in a pod, you would assume, man, that's a bond that's not easily broken. So, this faith relationship of Moses is communicating, man. He goes before the people, and he has deep Intimacy with God, deep intimacy with God. But God's grace and mercy, it continues to show, look here, Moses uh, desires to intercede on behalf of the people. In verse 12, he says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I I and your people? Is Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Family, you gotta. We we gotta remember that that Moses is uh, intimately close with God. He's also intimately close with the people. I mean, you gotta remember these are the same people that when he goes before Pharaoh on their behalf, and Pharaoh says, "Ah, you know what? I used to provide you some straw for the brick. Now you got to go get your own straw." The people came back, blamed Moses. Got to remember, these are the people that when 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 they left Egypt and started to get a little hungry, they looked at Moses like, Mo, you brought us out here to die. We're going to starve now. You know, these are the same people. That while he's out with God receiving instruction, they create a golden calf. So 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 wouldn't you. While while pursuing God, also just want a little assurance that, Lord, are you gonna be with me on this one? Because I know how they roll. <laughs> I, I know how they are, but, but can I know that you will be with me? You see, he wants to know God's ways. He wants to pursue God first, and then he's gonna be he's gonna be sharing more. About his intentions for God to show up in the lives of the people. Notice in verse 13. He says he wants. He says, uh, now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. Your ways. Your ways. See, God's ways are, are those foundational components of who he is. It's the foundational way in which we grow in him, mature in him, learn who he is. So God's ways are his his statutes, his laws, the the, the expectations that 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 he places upon his people to worship him. It is it is those those things that whether you are high and feeling joyous or whether you are low and feeling down it is those truths that remain the same. And Moses says, I want to know your ways. I want to know your ways. It's interesting, and we're going to see later on in this chapter that that's not the only way by which we know God. It's not only by his ways, his statutes, his laws, understanding his his character. But it is it is it is a foundational way in which we know him. But God changes. Doesn't he didn't didn't he at first said that he would no longer go with the people. But what does he say in verse 14? My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. So now we see God in responding to Moses' plea saying, I will go with you it's a full restoration back to the initial promise God had always desired to bring his people towards this land flowing with milk and honey towards this promised land and now he's saying I will go with you but Moses is uh, I, I love that he's real I love that he he says quite plainly God if, if, if you don't go with us, and I'm sorry, I want to, for how should we know I found favor in your sight, your people. Uh, is it not you're going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people in verse 16 uh, from every other people on the face of the earth. This is, this, is, this is really important because Moses is saying we are God's chosen people. But the only thing that distinguishes us from anyone else is that we have God. The only thing that distinguishes us from anything else is that we have God. I know we're in the month of February, and uh, this is Black History Month. And so this is a time typically when, uh, when black people uh, celebrate culture a little bit more. I mean, uh, I think after a lot of history, atrocities throughout history. Uh, a month of celebration is warranted, so I'm down. Uh, and so with that, uh, there are at times a desire to take our culture and elevate it. And, uh, and, and it's, there's been a, a, a cult, a group, if you will, of, of black men that actually have said That African-Americans are the true Hebrews, that African-American culture is the culture that was truly chosen by God and thus is better than all other cultures because they are smarter, stronger and oh, yeah, got God, too. And, I, and, I, and I've seen this type of mentality take place in a variety of experiences, whether it was friends that were uneducated, that became educated and looked back at others. Uh, that You can name the different culture that at some point begins to elevate itself above others. And while there may be some beautiful characteristics within each, I love the humility of Moses here. Moses is saying, without you, we are nothing. Without you, we are nothing. And so, you know what, 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 you, do you know why God chose the Hebrew people? Do you know the, the reason why he set them apart and chose that culture opposed to other cultures? Because he wanted to. Because he chose to. It wasn't because of the stereotypes. It wasn't because they work harder. It wasn't because they're better with money. It wasn't because they're better at saving. All these different stereotypes that are out there. It, it, it wasn't for any of those reasons. The true reason is that's just who God chose. And I hope that what, what that does is it reminds us that God does not elevate our culture Above his grace, it does not elevate our culture, and there's something innate within us, even as MacAvers, even as 48214, even as folks that were raised in the hood of Detroit your whole life or just moved down from the suburb yesterday. There is nothing innately in you, aside from the beauty of who God is, that would make us better than another. And so, as 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 uh, and so as I talk with those brothers, it's, it's sometimes hard because um, their the the perspective is warped, you know. But how easily do we get 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 a warped perspective? You know how easily can, can we desire to be celebrated or desire to be uh, acknowledged that we move from a place of of being a servant to a place of wanting to dominate family, let that not be the, be the case. Let that not be what's associated with the heartbeat of MacAv. It was God 's grace and mercy to those people. That set them apart. And nothing else. And nothing else. And so in verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name, Moses said. Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen show me your glory verse 18 Moses asked show me your glory i mean didn't moses see god's glory you know wasn't he there on sinai experiencing him didn't he see god miraculously move this 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 show me your glory it's called like theophanies it's where you you see actually come forward And 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 there's a an either an auditory understanding or a physical presence where, you know, this is something different. This is something different. This is a a, an unleashing of God's presence that's different than just me knowing it. But God. God had definitely shown himself faithful to Moses but now Moses is saying Lord I got a long road ahead I've got these people that uh, will worship you but I'm I'm they they're they're prone to sin and I'm asking not because I doubt you not because there's anything in your character that would make me believe that you won't be faithful that you won't come through on your promise but I'm asking so I can just have a little bit more sense of, uh, of certainty as I, as I move forward. I'm just asking for a bit of reassurance that me as your man is going to have you at the helm leading your people. So he's asking for God to show him, show him his glory. And family, you've, you've been in situations where you didn't know what was next you were wondering, you were scared, you were worried about what was next. I mean, I remember uh, coming out of school and uh, I was finishing grad school and I knew, the only thing I knew was how much I loved the Lord. That was all I knew. And I had this uh, fear because my friends have like, the road is set. All right, you know where you're going to live. You got your different offer and all these things. The road was set. And um, I, I didn't know any pastors that didn't struggle. Every pastor I knew had worked uh, a full-time job and was a full-time pastor in addition to a slew of other things. I'm coming out of school with debt. I'm feeling like I've messed up along the way and, uh, and I remember being about where you are and just like one tear came down and then it just like, I lost it. And I don't know if there was a thousand people in the church or the church was empty, but for that moment, it just felt like God was saying, it's okay. I'm going to be with you. And he didn't, he didn't roll it out like, hey, you're going to plan a church someday. And hey, I know you've been a knucklehead, but this beautiful woman's going to come. And like, like, I didn't get to plan. All I knew was I, I felt him marriages, And that's the only time in my life where I felt him like that. You see these experiences of God showing his glory? It, it gets dangerous if we begin to depend on those as our means of, of establishing and founding our faith. You see, Moses earlier said, God, show me your ways. See, those fundamental things that don't change of, of, of God, your promises are true. You are steadfast. You are, you are peace. You are joy. You are love. These foundational components. But, but then there are those times when you get to experience God, too. Moses is a great example of this. I mean, we get Moses saying, God, teach me your ways. But Moses had an emotional experience when he walked up on a burning bush. This is Moses who was on a mountain. If he's saying, teach me your ways, these fundamental statutes of who you are, I want them. But yet I still want an emotional experience, emotional display of you, family. Can we hold those intention? Can we not have to choose between it and, and chase the spirit all the time? And, and we're running around trying to get this feeling, this feeling, this feeling when God's saying, I just trying to speak to you through my word. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Will you sit and read? Will you understand the truth of who I am? But let's not kill the spirit either. When God is trying to do something within us, when He is trying to let us have that emotional experience, and we say, No, just turn to verse 3, keep reading, you know. Like, let us not kill the spirit moving as well. God wants to do amazing things in his body. He is doing amazing things in his body. And I'm I'm encouraged because he says in these in these verses. That this, is, this is an understanding of his grace. It's an understanding of his, of his mercy. He says in, in, in 20, excuse me, in 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show you mercy on whom I will show you, on whom I will show mercy. See, I, it, it, is, it is kind of, grammatically set up to draw us in based on our language because our focus goes towards whom like whom he will pick whom he will choose but but the writer's intention is not whom as in you choose the person but more of that this is the way i operate like i operate as a god of grace i operate as a god of mercy So what you need to realize is that when you think of my name, Lord God, you should also think of mercy, grace. Don't focus on when do you get it? Do you sometimes get no focus on this is a part of the being, the essence of who I am. If you want if you want my splendor, if you want my if you wanted me to show you my glory. It gets displayed in grace and mercy. Mercy. this God is so amazing. And so we got a we got an example of Yahweh's mercy and his grace. We saw God love his people, create a, a great expression of of love by providing them laws, by providing them 10 commandments. And instead of permanently killing them when they create this 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 calf this idol and reject him instead of instead of bringing forth this pain and even removing his presence permanently he decides to to care for them and enter back into their presence fully guiding them to guiding them to the promised land it's 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 one of those reminders of God excuse me Yahweh's grace and mercy And family, we are a part of a culture. We are a part of a a people group. Our culture is one that's called humanity. And don't get me, don't get it wrong. uh, Of all of my friends, uh, I'm probably like the most like pro-black person of my crew that I like kick it with back home, like from Cleveland. My nickname was Black-A-M-X. I mean, (laughs) so don't, hey. That is how we roll. <laughs> Don't get it wrong. I mean, there's unique character and traits within each group. You know what I mean? But hear me. We are a culture of humanity. And that culture deserved death. You and me deserved death. And so the beauty of the gospel Is that Jesus comes and looks upon a people that deserve death. And he says, oh, y'all were worrying about who's better and worse. All y'all should be killed. But for my grace and my mercy unto you, I will give my life for yours. And so now we respond with a heart that believes in what he's accomplished on the cross. And if you have yet to to respond in that manner. I got two questions for you. One, what you waiting for? And two, why do you want to continue to be a part of a culture of death? When Jesus continues to want to offer you a culture of life. Family, he's rich in grace, rich in mercy. I'm excited to see how he meets us in our times of deep study as we reach out, seek him, pursue him and understanding his ways and his statutes. But I'm also excited to see how he's going to show up in some miraculous ways and allow his glory to impact us for his kingdom purposes. Amen. 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 Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for. You showing us people like Moses. For he was not a perfect man. But Lord, he gives us insight into into being faithful and how you respond, Lord. He gives us insight, Lord, into a heart that desires you. And God, I'm asking for uh, those that don't know you that are present today, that God, you would grab their hearts. That you would, Lord, spark something within them that would allow them to want to respond to you in faith. That they would believe and what you've done at the cross, ultimate display, display of your grace and mercy. But Lord, for us that are, that do believe in you, there are times where we can get kind of laxed in our walk. We came to experience you. We were saved. And then, Lord, we just. Lord, I'm asking for a freshness within within our walks with you. I'm asking for you to 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 meet us in our times of study and also meet us in in some miraculous ways, God, that we might uh, just be reminded that you are our first love. And Lord, may we uh, be reminded, Ephesians two, that there is no uh, nothing that we bring. But that, Lord, the only thing we can boast in is Christ that you, um, that you've saved us from death. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.